0: According to the Greek understanding of the universe, in the beginning, everything was chaos. And out of chaos came love and Gaia and all sorts of other orderly things. Um, But that is something that we need to worry about later. I want to start with chaos. We are in chaos! COVID is still rampaging across the countryside. Um, People are getting sick and we are trying to keep that as... Contained as possible under the circumstances, which means that we're living in a weird world with weird new rules. And while my job is to try and teach you under these strange and interesting circumstances, um, my job is also to try and keep you safe as much as humanly possible. Um, so, if you haven't figured it out already, this is the first mythology lecture for our particular section, 285-04 Fall 2020, and man, it has been a weird ride just getting to this point, um, just, like, so much uncertainty, so much indecision, so many layers of bureaucracy trying to, like, order exactly how we're going to do class this year, um there's a lot to talk about, is what it comes down to. Uh, We need to sort of straightforwardly discuss how this class is going to be conducted. Um, And that's okay. At the beginning of every semester, I tend to start with an overview of the syllabus and an introduction and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure that you're pretty used to that if you've been taking college classes to this point. If not, this is not what it looks like normally, but you know what is normal anymore? Um, So anyway, let's start with the syllabus. If you don't have it open as I'm conducting this lecture, probably do that. It'll be way easier to follow along if you're looking at the syllabus. Um, On Canvas, you can find it under the menu item syllabus, or you can find it on the modules page. Um, The first entry is basically today and the syllabus, um, along with the posting for this lecture, so chances are you already know where that is. Um, Anyway, get your syllabus open. Let's talk about how this class is going to work. Um, First off, let me introduce myself, since it's already been two minutes. I'm Professor Benjamin Kozlowski, um, not Dr. Benjamin Kozlowski. I do not have that particular honor at this point. Um, I am currently have two master's degrees, neither of which are in mythology. One is in philosophy, one is in biblical studies. Um, and But I have studied mythology extensively, and I have a kind of a unique spin on it. Um... See, the weird thing about the Montclair's mythology and humanities department generally is we're very much a rogues gallery of just lots of different people from lots of different disciplines. Um, We see humanities as being the intersection of a bunch of these more specific disciplines. Philosophy, uh, literature, and world literature especially. History, anthropology um, all of these things sort of factor into what we understand the humanities to be um, and the humanities department at Montclair very much grew out of its classics department which if you go to other schools and like take classes in their classics departments you will find that that is sort of again a catch all for basically the literature the language and the history of ancient Greece and ancient Rome um, so That's sort of the motivation behind us presenting the mythology course and the humanities courses generally. Like, we treat humanities across the board like it was classics. Um, And having studied some ancient Greek in my time, mostly to uh, accompany my study of philosophy this sort of thinking comes pretty naturally to me. Um, But what you should be warned about is I am coming at this study from a philosophical background. Um, The disadvantage question mark of having a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different disciplines and perspectives teach the same course is that we all teach it differently Um, like if you take this course with dr gill he's going to focus on the psychological dimensions absolutely he's going to talk about freud and he's going to to talk about jung and he's going to talk about myth as sort of this expression of the unconscious self Um, not my shtick my shtick is philosophy Um, Which means we're going to be looking at mythology as far as how does that express um, a culture's world view. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to be comparing a lot more than just Greek and Roman mythology. Like you're probably familiar at this point with the Greek and Roman myths. You know who Hercules is. You know who Zeus is. You may know who Poseidon is. You probably don't know who Sarpedon is. But that's fine. We'll get there. Um, what's important from my perspective is that this is that mythology, on the whole, is a way that this culture—the Greeks and the Romans, and indeed the Israelites and the Babylonians and the Egyptians and so on and so forth—this is how they express themselves, how they understand the world, and how they communicate that understanding to generations beyond them. But we'll talk more about like the definition of myth later. What I want to emphasize is that I am going to be looking at the ideas and the ethics at stake here. Um, What is the morality that is being communicated? What is the worldview that is being communicated? What are the metaphysics underlying these myths? Um, that's where I'm going to stress, where that won't necessarily be where everybody else in this department stresses. So keep an eye out for that. Like, you will get my take, you will get my slant, my bias. Um, and that's cool. Like, the, as much as I talked about it as a disadvantage earlier, the humanities part, department actually sees this as an advantage. Um, it means that different professors are going to bring their different spin to things. And that means that we will each appeal to different students, um, which is cool and I invite you to you know spend some time in the humanities department take some of the other classes I teach general humanities 202 at Montclair as well that's a survey class dealing with um basically literature and art and history and culture um in Europe mostly from the renaissance to the present day um and it's a wild awesome class we read a lot of cool stuff there I highly encourage you to take it if you get the chance plus I'd like to see you again I hope like obviously the class hasn't started yet so really who knows knows maybe I'll hate every last one of you Um, but I doubt it that's not usually how these things go Um, usually I'm just ecstatic to see a familiar face on that first day Um, whatever that face may be But going forward, enough about that, let's talk about what you need to know and what you need to have and what exactly this class is going to look like. Um, If you look through the syllabus, the first thing that you're going to see besides like the very finicky details, like what section this is and where we're meeting and, you know, what is my email address, so on and so forth, um, are the textbooks. We have three textbooks in this class and you will probably want to get your hands on all three of them. Um, The first is God's Heroes and Monsters, second edition, um, edited by Carolina Lopez Ruiz. Um, It's this fantastic textbook. Um, I've run into a couple of other textbooks on the subject of mythology, and they're all just a giant mess, and they're all organized weirdly, and I hate them. I hate them all. Um, But Lopez Ruiz, I'm actually very fond of. It has a lot of great Apparatuses and sort of appendices. Um, It's got maps. It's got like details about the history. It it introduces each of the authors in interesting ways. Like there's just a lot going on there. But the really cool thing about this particular textbook that you will not find in most other textbooks is that it approaches the subject of mythology and Greek and Roman mythology specifically in its context. Um, the great thing about this textbook is that it is not just Greek and Roman myths. We will also have Babylonian myths, and we will have Egyptian myths, and we will have like passages from the Old Testament. Um, we will have Gilgamesh, and we will have um, all sorts of really cool things. Um, and I like keeping this in context. I like looking at mythology through the perspective of comparative mythology. Um, it focuses primarily on the ancient Near East. You will not find like Japanese myths in here or Celtic myths, or Norse myths, which I know are super popular and super awesome, but it is, I have been specifically directed not to talk about Norse mythology. We have a class for that, and you should totally take it with Dr. Gill if you're interested, because um, it's really cool stuff. Um, but we are focusing primarily on mythology in the ancient Near East, which means Israel, Greece, Rome, um, Babylon, Egypt, all of that stuff. Um, Because largely the Greek and Roman tradition is very much aligned with that tradition, and it also sort of grew out of that tradition, which is stuff we will talk about much later in the class, Um, so don't fret yourself over it too much. But the textbook is awesome because it does all of that. The textbook puts all these myths in their context, sees all these traditions in light of one another, and that means that we can spend some significant time talking about not just the Greeks and the Romans, but where the Greek and Roman sort of ideology and mentality came from, how they fit in the greater ancient world, Um, which is really cool. So definitely want to get a hold of that textbook. It's fairly cheap. Um, I want to say that it's like 40 to $50 most of the places that I've found it, um, which is pretty solid for a textbook these days, especially in the humanities when you're dealing with these giant anthologies of things. Um, you can get it on the campus website or bookstore, I assume. Um, I never seem to have my books in order for when the class starts, but I'm sure that other professors are using it, so feel free to track it down there. Or you can find it on Amazon or through Olibris or Overstock or whatever you're using. Be my guest. The other textbook that we're going to be using extensively, especially towards the second half of the semester, is The Essential Homer. Um, Translated and thoroughly edited by Stanley Lombardo. Um, Conveniently, the textbooks in this class very much align to the halves of this class. So if you are short on cash or short on time, by all means, rush deliver your Gods, Heroes, and Monsters edition. But don't worry about the Essential Homer. We're not going to start in on it until mid-October. So not a big deal if you don't have it at this point. The great thing about the Essential Homer, and especially this translation, um, is that it is pretty heavily expurgated and pretty heavily abridged. We will not be covering the entirety of the Iliad and the Odyssey. That would be more than enough for a semester all by itself, and we are only spending half the semester on both. Um, So the great thing about the Essential Homer is that it covers both texts, but it also covers them with a lot of... Strong omissions. Like Lombardo is careful about how he picks and chooses what's what to include, um, so we do not, we will not get bogged down in the minutia of like all the little, like minor characters or the side trips or you know things that are not exactly plot relevant. Um, the other great thing about Lombardo is that it is very much contemporary English. Like I know that a lot of professors favor their Fagles or their. Um, other translations and the the trouble with those is that they're very like academic sounding um you get this highfalutin language you know in the epic tradition which admittedly is important like the literary world has been sort of mining and remining these myths over and over and over again. Like, there's a reason why the Iliad and the Odyssey are the two books at the foundation of all of Western culture. Um, you will be hard-pressed to make it through your English classes without running into Greek myths and, uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey specifically. Um, and they're using old, antiquated translations with highfalutin' like language and prose and poetry. Um, so you know, there, there's definitely a place for your fagleses, um, but Lombardo treats the myths as though they were written in contemporary English. Agamemnon and Achilles will swear at each other. They will, you know, whine and complain. They will sound weak and small from time to time when it's appropriate. Um, He makes it live in a certain way, and I like that because I don't think the Greeks listened to Homer in some highfalutin language. There was an amount of distance between Homer's original, you know, ancient Greek, the Ionic Greek, and the Greek of the classics like Plato and uh, the playwrights. Um, But that doesn't mean that they would have seen it in its original context as being removed from them. Um, When it was originally performed, when you had your bard sit down with your drums and with your harp, um, your lyre, and you would retell the story of the Iliad, it was very immediate. Like, you would go and hear listening of the Iliad and the Odyssey the way that you would go to a movie you know, six months ago, not today, because that's not a thing. Um, It was the entertainment of the time. And more than that, it was the cultural sort of interaction of the time. It was one part going to church and one part going to the movies and one part going to a concert and one part, you know, going to a political rally. Like, it's complicated. Um, The Iliad and the Odyssey were the cornerstone of the Greek culture, and we need to sort of treat it not as this sort of removed hermetically sealed classic of ancient literature, but rather is something that is vibrant and alive to the people who we will be talking about. And Lombardo captures that vivacity of the original text um, in a way that many don't. Now, we do technically have a third textbook, the Theban plays. Um, These are the plays of Sophocles. Um, We are using the Dover edition, which is fairly recent and super duper cheap. It's like five bucks. Um, And you are welcome to ignore it because this is an old translation and you can totally find it online for free on Project Gutenberg and elsewhere. Um, We will not be using this textbook until the very end of the class, like literally the last two or three weeks. Um, So there's no hurry on this and there's no huge priority. If you want to skip one of these textbooks, this is the one to skip. Now, those are the three, quote, required texts, he says, after saying that the Theban Plays is really not all that required. Um, I also recommend, especially if you're struggling, uh, pick up... Edith Hamilton's Mythology. It's another like five dollar book. You can find it on Amazon um, or pretty much any bookstore. It's just a great little handbook for you know a lot of the texts that we're dealing with in this class. It's definitely not required um, because we're dealing with all of these myths in greater detail over the course of the class. But I find that you know reading Apollodorus and reading the actual ancient writers Hesiod and Homer um they are often even in like Lombardo's translation or Ruiz's translation um they're often rather difficult to parse like the myth writers were not like contemporary fantasy writers they were not interested in continuity they were not interested in telling a good story um they like they do to some degree in some sort of come off as better stories than others but with apollodorus especially he is just trying to categorize these damn things like he's going to present as many myths as he possibly can as quickly and as concisely as he can and that means that he's going to spend a lot of time just like hopping through genealogies or like telling myths in three sentences um it'll be really easy to lose track of what is important and what is not important Um, And Edith Hamilton keeps her eye on the ball. She knows, like, which myths have survived and which have not, because she has the benefit of, you know, 2,000 years of analysis, rather than just 500 years of people retelling these myths over and over. Um, Their purposes are very different, is what it comes down to. We are going to be treating these myths as though there is no continuity, because they do change. Um, like, where did Aphrodite come from is a question that Hesiod and Apollodorus are going to answer very differently. Um, heck, Hesiod and Homer are going to answer that question very differently. Um, so don't, in order to not get bogged down in the minutia or to not sort of get snowed with all this stuff, um, maybe pick up Edith Hamilton's book so you can get like, a clearer, more t- bird's eye view of what we're dealing with. Something that puts all the pieces together a little bit more clearly. Um, but again, that's optional, up to you. Again, if you're struggling, feel free to use that. Um, and with that in mind, keep that as a rule for this class. Um, like, I know that there are professors out there who want you to stick to the specific texts that they're reading, and they want you to get zero exposure to anything else except what you are reading in class, lest you get confused. That is not my attitude. Um overwhelmingly like these texts are not that difficult especially Lombardo he is really accessible um but they are occasionally difficult and we are going to be reading them quickly and we're going to be reading a lot of them Um, So feel free to use supplemental sources if you're not making heads or tails out of whatever the course reading is. Go ahead and use Sparknotes, go ahead and use Wikipedia, go ahead and use Perseus, they've got a great library for mythology and stuff. Go ahead and watch YouTube videos, go ahead and read synopses, like use every resource at your disposal. Um, The internet is at your fingertips, I expect you to use it the way that you would use any of our textbooks. so don't feel shy about it. Um, The trick is don't bring outside sources into your analysis unless you properly cite them, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, For basically the, the going rule here is, if you're not understanding something in this class, By all means, ask me questions, but also just go out and find your own answers. Um, Don't feel constrained by what I've recommended for this class. That's very much the foundation of what we need to know. Um, But you are welcome to explore and find other resources to back up your reading. Um, Don't feel frustrated by the texts. Instead, go out and get them clarified. Now, um... If you look at the syllabus, that's, this is where we get into the course description and the priorities of the class and like all the fancy objectives things. Most of that is not for you. Most of that is just to sort of like clarify where this course fits into like the general education curriculum and all sorts of other very businessy, very academic y. Uh, kind of things. But I do want to stress a couple of details before we go on to conduct and other things. Um, Specifically, I want to stress what the goal of this class actually is. Um, We are studying mythology. And while that sounds fairly straightforward, like, hooray, we're going to read a lot of Greek myths. Hooray, lots of those are cool. Um, That is definitely one of the major goals here, like to familiarize you with Greek mythology and Roman mythology, the what happens. Um, like hopefully at the end of this class you will know most of the major deities and what their roles are. You will know the difference between most of the major heroes like Theseus and Perseus and Heracles and Bellerophon, Jason, Achilles, Hector, and so on. Um, you should absolutely know that stuff and that's definitely the top priority of this class to get you to know that stuff. But the other side of this is the critical side. Um, If you look at number two under those general education parameters, you'll notice it's written, Students will encounter and learn to apply several of the following critical approaches to or modes of interpreting myth, which are common across the humanities. Comparativist, literary critical, anthropological, including structuralism, religious and philosophical, including ritual theory, psychological, etc., etc., etc. Part of my goal is to teach you what happens in these myths. But sort of the more important goal, in my opinion, is to teach you how to read these myths. And I realize that, like, you were in college. You've been learning, quote, how to read, like, 16 different ways for the last 20 years. Um, and that's kind of irritating. Uh, how you, you know how to read at this point. Like, you know how to pick up a book and get the basic information out of it. But what... Your job is in college, like the difference between your high school education and your college education as far as how to read is concerned, is while high school focuses on the business of comprehension, in college you're going to be focusing on the, fo- on the, uh, on the element of criticism. Um, We want you to not just read these myths and get the details, like who is who and what is what and where is the setting and why is it important and so on and so forth, but to also appreciate what these myths mean in various contexts. So, the first half of the class is going to be structured sort of after different critical approaches. We're going to be starting by looking at creation myths and a lot of creation myths. Um, we're going to look at the Greek creation myth. We're going to look at a Roman creation myth. We're going to look at Babylonian creation myths and Egyptian creation myths and the uh, account in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, like all of these myths, I want us to look at together. Um, I want to look at it from a comparative mythology standpoint, specifically because there's a lot to be gleaned from comparing and contrasting these different approaches to this common problem in basically all mythological traditions. Like, if you look at Hindu mythology or Japanese mythology or Norse mythology or Celtic mythology or Native American mythology, you will find, where did the world come from, is a question that everybody is interested in trying to answer. Um, it is common to everyone. We're all wondering how we got on this rock. Um, and as a result, we should be looking at the differences between these different mythological traditions and understanding what that means for each of the traditions involved. What makes the Greeks different from the Hebrews or the Egyptians? What, em, what do they emphasize when they talk about these myths, when they talk about where we came from, and how does that inform their view of themselves, their view of the world, and so on and so forth? Um, likewise, We're going to be approaching these myths from a more contemporary standpoint. What do they say about things in our culture? How do the perspectives of the Greeks and the Hebrews and so on inform our perspectives today? Um, One of the things we're going to be running across a lot in this class is their attitude about women. Um, Spoilers, the Greeks are not fans of women. They do not have an egalitarian perspective the way that we have tried to be cult- tried to cultivate in our culture today um like as much as you may think that we are backwards and misogynist in american culture and that is true the greeks could totally put us to shame without even thinking about it um they absolutely thought that women were at the core of like everything wrong with the world on some pretty straightforward and literal levels um and that's messed up And we need to talk about why that's messed up, and we need to talk about the fact that it is messed up, and we need to talk about exactly how messed up it is why it's messed up and how that messed upness informs our own messed upness about women in our culture. We need to talk about how there is a through line between our hang-ups on women and their hang ups on women. How, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey and all of these myths have contributed over thousands of years to us still not getting over, you know, our male dominated patriarchal society. Um We need to talk about that. We need to look at these from the perspective of the history. We need to look at them from the perspective of the historian. And we need to look at them from our perspective today. We need to question them. We need to interrogate them. We need to see what they have to say. Um, And that doesn't mean just a blanket condemnation. Like, I know that the the contemporary attitude is often like, oh, X is a misogynist, therefore we are not going to listen to X anymore. Um, And while that works with a lot of contemporary writers and artists, film directors, etc. It really doesn't when it comes to something as foundational as the myths that our culture are is based on. Like, you cannot cancel the Iliad and the Odyssey. Like, there's too much dependent on it. Um, it's way more complicated than that. Uh, so, we need to look at how these myths inform our perspectives. How these myths have sort of grown into uh, the culture that we have today. And while we obviously do not have the time for an exhaustive examination of, like, the Iliad and the Odyssey through history, um, we should get used to looking at these works, as well as basically any work we encounter, from these perspectives. What do they say about religion? What do they say about, you know, military values? What do they say about women? What do they say about God? Um, We need to interrogate these myths the same way that we interrogate any work of popular fiction or any movie or anything that we encounter in day-to-day life. Um, And I want to get you in the habit of doing that. So we're going to be looking at these myths not just as far as the content is concerned, but as far as what they are saying, how they are saying it, and what that means for us today. Um, But obviously, that is also something that we're going to be getting into later in the class. So put a pin in it and we'll come back to it. Um, Now, let's turn our attention to the second page of the syllabus and specifically that section on conduct. Um, And this is fairly boilerplate. Like I imagine if you've had any college classes at this point in person, you have run into the same stuff. if anything, it's even more important now that we are in the days of COVID-19, uh, because there will be even less time to deal with infractions on conduct, um, and I will be probably even less forgiving than I would normally be, Like as because I'm being forgiving about all the other crazy stuff that's going on. Um, so let's just get this out of the way, and let's just agree to make this a thing, and to do our best, because it's going to be tough enough without, you know, like, basic conduct problems. Um, So first off, cell phones should be turned off and ignored throughout class. Like obviously, as long as we are going to be meeting in person, we are going to need to treat that time as very precious. I'm going to be seeing each of you individually only once a week instead of the usual twice. Which means that that time we spend together is going to be super important and super valuable. Um, I intend to spend it focusing on you. Like, this will not be a lecture course. The lectures you will find online, like this one. Um, and that means that during class, that is your opportunity to bounce ideas off of me to ask questions to try and like get a better understanding of the material that we've talked about um but we've only got so much time to do that so if you know you were sitting in class and all of a sudden your cell phone goes off and it just distracts everyone for a good like minute and a half you know that's a problem um And obviously it's embarrassing for you as well. Like, I don't know what your ringtone is. I know that in many cases, if your ringtone goes off in the middle of a movie theater or something, it's actually super embarrassing. Much less, you know, the walk of shame as you walk out of the door to, you know, take the call or shuffle in your backpack trying to figure out, like, where is your cell phone at this exact moment in time so you can turn the damn thing off. Um, It's inconvenient for you. It's inconvenient for me. So just keep them off. If you do, in fact, need to take a call during class, don't stress about it, like, just take a seat towards the door, and then as soon as that cell phone goes off, like, sprint, leave, by all means, take your super important phone call, um, and we'll just act like nothing is wrong. Um, I'm willing to, you know, accommodate if there is an emergency situation, if you have a sick family member at home, if, you know, you have a significant other who is dealing with something really serious right now, like by all means, take care of your, your life before you take care of this class. Um, just make sure that it doesn't interfere, or if it does, as little as possible. Um, now, as to the subject of late assignments... So you'll find in the syllabus that I just flat out say late assignments will not be accepted. This is actually a pretty transparent lie. I am a pushover when it comes to making exceptions, to giving extensions, to like being nice to students across the board. Um, And especially since we are all in these weird circumstances and we're all in like previously untreaded ground, we have no idea what we're doing. Fine. Um, Accidents are going to happen this semester. I am planning for it. Um, so I am totally going to accept late assignments. Um, there are exceptions. The reading quizzes, I will not accept late. Um, those have a hard due date on Friday evenings at eleven fifty-nine PM. Um, be sure to get those in on time. We'll talk about them more in a moment. Um, but when it comes to the writing assignments, specifically the response papers, the term paper, the, uh, comparison paper, all of those, I am willing to accept late. I will dock points for sure. And if you really push me on it, I probably will not accept them late. Like, there is a hard deadline in this class, especially this semester when everything is crazy. Like, once we finish class, I have to close this class and, you know, get my grades in as quickly as possible because, again, things are going to be crazy. Um, And who knows what the world is going to look like in December at this rate. Um, But I will accept these assignments late. I will totally give you extensions. um, But... And this is what I wanna stress. There is a huge difference between emailing me at 11.45, 15 minutes before an assignment is due and saying, professor, there is no way I'm going to be able to finish this on time. Can I have an extension? And emailing me with the same email 15 minutes after the due date. Um, If you need an extension, just let me know. If you're dealing with weird stuff at home, if you've got a sick family member, if something is up, like, just let me know. Keep me on the same page as you. And I will totally hand you extensions left and right. Like, you need an extra day? Fine, take an extra day. You need the weekend? Take the weekend. You've got, like, a funeral you're attending? Fine. Like, I will give you a whole week. Um, Whatever you need, I am willing to accommodate, but I need to know that I need to accommodate you. Um, If, you know... Like I'm willing to make exceptions for you know the power went out or something crazy happened, but generally speaking, if you if I don't hear from you, and the deadline on this assignment passes, I'm gonna start docking points, um, and it'll get worse and worse at the longer I do not hear from you. Um, so just make sure that I'm in the loop. Like, the general rule of thumb about all of these conduct things, about all the assignment restrictions, and basically everything to do with this class is make sure that you and I are on the same page. It's going to be really hard to do that, like, given all of the restrictions this semester, given the fact that we can't, like, meet in person casually the way we used to, given the fact that we're only meeting once a week, and in some cases, students aren't even going to be meeting me at all, they're going to be conducting the entire class online. Whatever your situation is, make sure you and I are talking. There's nothing more terrifying from my perspective than a student who has been completely incommunicado all semester. Um, Like, even if you just come to me at the beginning or the end of class, even if you're just shooting me an email every couple of weeks, like, make sure you and I are on the same page, know what's going on with each other's stuff, you know what, what assignments are coming down the pike, and I know you know what assignments are coming down the pike, and things will go a lot better. Um, if you've got a weird work schedule, if you've got weird family stuff happening, if you were, like, moving out of your house and going to a new apartment, just, like, make sure I'm, I'm aware of this. Just send me an email and I will be way more lenient and way more accepting if your assignments start coming in a little bit more inconsistently. Um, make sure I know beforehand and I will totally be generous to you. But if I'm not hearing anything, I don't know what's going on. And that means that I've got to assume the worst. And that means that I'm going to insist on those deadlines because I don't know that I can't. That I don't know why I shouldn't. Um, So just, again, keep on the same page with me. Um, The one exception to this rule, like the one thing that I am an absolute, complete hard-ass on and will not budge an inch for is plagiarism. Plagiarism will not be tolerated. Plagiarized assignments will immediately receive zero credit. Um, I Do not have any patience for plagiarism and neither do any of my contemporaries and neither do like any of the people that I work for um plagiarism is just garbage it's you cheating it's you trying to pass off somebody else's work as your own and obviously that means that you didn't do the work which means you get a zero um and while I am willing to sort of mess with this if it comes down to like i didn't know i was plagiarizing the fact of the matter is you are in college you should know when what plagiarism is and what it looks like and you should not be fighting me on this one Um, in general the rule of thumb that you should keep in mind for this class is cite everything Like I said, you are welcome to use Sparknotes, you are welcome to use Wikipedia for any of the assignments in this class, for any of the readings in this class. Make sure you tell me when you use them. Um, I know that there are professors out there who will totally dock points for using Wikipedia. I am not that guy. I know there are professors out there who will dock points for using SparkNotes. I am not that professor. Um, Even if it comes down to, like, you read the SparkNotes before doing your reading response, just say that. Like, put a line at the end of your reading response saying, P.S. I also consulted SparkNotes. Doesn't have to be formalized for that assignment. Doesn't have to be a big deal. Just let me know. Um, That's all I'm asking for. When we're talking about plagiarism, what we're referring to is one of three things. We're referring to either word-for-word plagiarism, like you literally just copy-pasted a whole chunk of Spark notes, put it in a paper, and call it your work, in which case you get an absolute zero, no question, and this should not even be a debate. Um, that's the most obvious example of plagiarism. The second is people like I know that this is a thing because I've seen way too many students do it at this point for it to be a coincidence. But there's got to be something like Grammarly or I don't even know. Some thing, some algorithm that changes your word-for-word plagiarism into something that sort of bypasses Turnitin or any, like, usual Google search. Um, And most of these, they'll, they'll, like, substitute a synonym for a word in each sentence. So, like, you'll be, you know, it'll say, I went to the bank this week and... It'll say, like, I went to the financial institution this week. And that's fine. But it also doesn't work. Um, Like, don't get me wrong, I can usually spot one of these from a mile away. And I have busted plenty of students for using these algorithmic approaches to plagiarism. Because the trick with that I went to the bank getting translated to I went to the financial institution is that as often as not you say I went to the bank to go fishing, like the river bank, And then your fancy grammar lead or algorithmically changed formula doesn't make any sense when it says, I went to the financial institution and went fishing. Um, typically you don't go fishing at financial institutions, though you do at rivers, um, And this happens all the time like typically after one of these algorithmic changes has occurred i'm looking at this paper and i'm like this doesn't make any freaking sense like there are all of these super complicated words that don't exactly fit in this particular slot because someone is mucking about with the synonyms and giving me information that doesn't actually make sense so this is also plagiarism Don't do it. I will catch you. You will also get a zero for doing this. No matter how much effort you put into, like, trying to snow me with synonyms. Um... The third form of plagiarism is the more ambiguous one, that is paraphrase. Paraphrase is when you are not quoting anything word for word, you're basically stealing the ideas from somewhere. So, you know, maybe you read the Sparknotes page and they had this really good argument for why Odysseus is an untrustworthy narrator in the Odyssey. And you're like, that's really awesome, I'm going to use that idea. And you present that idea, but you present it in roughly the same structure as Sparknotes does. Sparknotes presents it in three paragraphs, you present it in three paragraphs. Sparknotes presents first this point, and then this point, and then that point, and you present it in exactly that same order. That's plagiarism, even if you're using your own words to do it. But the thing about paraphrase is all you have to do at that point is say, I used Sparknotes, and now it's not plagiarism anymore. Likewise, word-for-word plagiarism is only plagiarism when I don't know that you're quoting something else. So you are welcome to just drop whole chunks of Sparknotes or Wikipedia or some other resource into your paper with quotes, with a citation, and say, this is where it came from, and you will not lose points for it. You might lose points if you don't include anything else, but you won't lose points and you won't be accused of plagiarizing. So that's all you have to do. Just cite everything. Um, And if you have questions, come contact me about them. Like, say, is this plagiarism? Um, Part of the reason why I include the reading responses is as a sort of dry run for the major assignments later. By all means, ask in the reading responses if this is appropriately cited, and I'll tell you. I'll help you out with that. Um, Do not think that you can just get away with it. And if you If you are on the fence, ask questions about it, because if it turns out to be plagiarism, if it turns out that you didn't think you were plagiarizing, but it turns out that it was, I'm going to throw the book at you, and there's not going to be any reasoning with me at that point. Um, Ask me beforehand. Just like with the late assignments, there's a big difference between sending me an email to say professor is this plagiarism and me saying yes or no and you finding out after the fact that it was and trying to back yourself up at that point because then it's not going to fly next point on the conduct list is students should conduct themselves professionally and should preserve the classroom setting as a place for free intellectual discourse harassment based on race sex gender religion or ability will not be tolerated Um, Again, this should be pretty boilerplate. I imagine you will find this in most syllabi, that you have dealt with this in most classes. Um, What I want to stress here is we have to be decent to each other. Like, this is a freaking stressful situation for everybody. Um, And I realize that part of the reason why it's so stressful is because it's gotten so fucking political over the past couple of years. Like, I cannot believe some of the stuff I'm seeing on Facebook these days. Like, people who are single-mindedly rejecting the fact that face masks are saving lives or that think that COVID-19 was a hoax for a few weeks there, or that, you know, like, you get into the whole Black Lives Matter movement and just how violent and awful some of the conversations that I've just seen in public have turned out to be. Um, like, I thought 2016 and everything after the Trump election was bad, but damn, like, seriously, being a human being right now sucks. Um, just across the board, I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat, if you're Christian or atheist, if you're a Trump supporter or, like, a hardcore Trump opponent, I don't care. It, it sucks. Like, people are being completely awful to each other. And I want to stress... We can't do class if we're being like that to one another. Um, I don't care where on the political spectrum you are. We're going to have to treat each each other like human beings on just a fundamental, like, basic human decency level in order to get anything done. Um, So no harassment. Just flat out no harassment. Um, I want to stress, we're going to be talking about some difficult issues in here, like... Obviously, as I mentioned before, there's the issue of feminism in these myths. Um, One of the things that we're going to be dealing with on a fairly regular basis is rape. Like, I hate to trigger anyone... Um, And maybe it's a good time to get out now if you're worried about this, but we're going to be talking about rape a lot in this class. Like, this was a normal, everyday occurrence in ancient Greece and Rome. Um, If you were a woman in these societies, rape was a very present and almost constant possibility. um, Because the the world was so uncertain like if you lived on one of the greek islands there was always the possibility that some other greek city-state was going to sail in conquer the place and carry you off to be their concubine and that was not anything you had to say or do about it and that doesn't just go for women that goes for the young men as well um it's a messy dark time um in a lot of ways and i expect that it's going to get tense in here like in the classroom on the discord chat like we're going to be asking some seriously uncomfortable questions and the only way that we can talk about those questions the only way that we can answer those questions the only way that we can confront these issues and like think about them seriously is if we're recognizing that there is a huge difference between what we're talking about like the subject the ideas and the people that we are talking about them with. Um, So the line I typically draw is at making it personal. Um, If you want to disagree with somebody's idea, good. Like, that's what the humanities is all about. Disagreement, coming to conclusions, like addressing one another and confronting these ideas and seeing which ones hold up and which ones do not. Like, what is reasonable and what is not reasonable what appeals to us and what does not appeal to us what seems more likely and what seems less likely like this is all stuff we have to deal with this is all part of just being a human being in this culture um and in a human being at any time um but we have to talk about it civilly we have to keep that distance as artificial as it might be between the person making the claim and the claim that is being made because um, I want you to argue about this stuff. I want you to, to you know, stand up for Odysseus, who seems to be a vicious womanizer, but seems to also have a really egalitarian perspective given his time and his circumstances. Um, we should be willing to have a conversation about that, um, but we're not going to be able to have a conversation about that if it boils down to, you know, screaming at each other for being misogynists or you know, liberal nutcases or whatever the case may be. Um, We can't let this boil down to slinging mud and making accusations. Um, I want things to be tense. I want us to sweat over these questions. Um, But I don't want blood. And I don't want tears. I don't want people to take these things personally and in order to protect them from that I need it to not be personal. Um, I want you to give your fellow classmates and me, (laughs) because I'm going to screw up too, um, the benefit of the doubt. Um, I want you to basically assume the best of each other and of ourselves until it is no longer possible to do so. And that's the point where I will intervene. And if I don't, then you are absolutely welcome to call me out on it. Um, it is my job to keep this place a safe space, but the only way that I can keep it safe is if you are willing to be, you know, agreement, in agreement with that. If you are willing to do your part. Um, so it's going to be tricky. Like, I know it's going to be tricky. I know it's going to be stressful. Like, last semester, I watched my students struggle through this whole COVID nightmare. I watched students lose loved ones. I watched students, you know, like deal with the loss of jobs or their parents losing their jobs or like the horror of this economic situation on top of the horror of the disease they're trying to figure out like what should the new normal be if there even is such a thing like this is freaking hard and we're doing it in real time and there are no you know redos or you can't restart the game on this one so just be nice to each other Like, on this basic fundamental level, just be nice, be decent, respect one another. Um, Because we need to have these conversations. Like, we need to figure out what the right thing to do is, both in our whole COVID nightmare situation, and as practice, as far as it goes for the Greeks and the Romans. Um, This is preparation for life. Um, And I want to prepare you by... Sort of teaching you to be civil interlocutors, people who are willing to have conversations, not just slap-bang-drag-out arguments. Um, I want you to go online after this class and be decent to people as well. And I know that's a tall order and that there's a lot of like complicated issues involved... Um, but that's what you're being called to. Like, as a human being, it is your God-given right that you have a mouth and you can use it to talk, and it is your God-given responsibility that you don't use it poorly. Um, you are responsible with your right to freedom of speech. Um, and that's tough. So, just word let's all agree to just be decent to one another, to give each other the benefit of the doubt, to not take things personally, and to not make them personal. Um, And we'll do a lot better, hopefully, and maybe make this just a little bit less stressful for everyone involved. Okay, okay. The last thing on my list of conduct is pride is overrated, questions and mistakes are encouraged. Um, And that's sort of a recent addition, but it's also a really important one. Um, Like, I realize that you are engaged not just in this class for, like, academic purposes, but you, you have this elaborate social system that you're dealing with, and, you know, the people in class are also your friends, and maybe even the people you want to sleep with, and, you know, I'm sure that there's somebody in this room right now who is dating one of the other classmates, or is thinking about it, or I don't even know, and I don't want to know, it's not my business, but... In order for us to have serious conversations about this stuff, and in order for you to learn, you have to be willing to be wrong. And that means looking weak. Which sucks, because I realize looking strong is how you get all of the good things in life. Like, you get money by looking strong and confident, you get, you know, sex by looking strong and confident, you get accolades by looking strong and confident, and that's bullshit. Like, there's so much wrong with that on so many levels. Um, But the one thing that you will never get through looking strong and confident is smarter. Um, In order to become smarter, you have to be willing to admit that you are either lacking knowledge or flat out wrong about the stuff that we're talking about. Which means asking dumb questions. Um, It means making stupid mistakes. It means revealing and admitting that you do not know everything that there is to know. Um, which makes sense. Why would you be taking this class if you already knew everything there is to know about mythology? Hell, I don't know everything there is to know about mythology. It's a complex subject. There's a lot to it. Um, like, I know enough about the texts that we were talking about in class to be able to talk about them intelligently and to provide some context and to help you learn more about them. But, you know, I, again, uh, my masters is in philosophy. I don't have a PhD. I am totally outclassed by 90% of the people at Montclair. And most of them will totally admit to you that they don't know everything there is to know. The thing about becoming an expert in any one thing is you realize how little you know about it and about everything else that goes along with it. Um, So come in with your humble pants on. Um, Do not try and use this class as like a way of showing off how awesome you are. Um, if you do, you're basically just shooting yourself in the foot from the get go. Um, ask dumb questions. Um, be prepared to look silly um, because that's the best way to learn. Like, there's, it's just, it's so fundamental to how knowledge works. Um, like, trust me, as a philosopher, this is, this is basic to me. I've looked stupid a lot, and I will continue to look stupid a lot, and I will look even stupider in the days to come, Um, and those are the moments that I tend to learn the most, uh, when I just get the hell over myself, and am willing to listen and understand what somebody else is saying. Um, So do that. Leave your pride at the door. Um, make some arrangement with your friends and with your romantic partners that, you know, in class you're going to look like a fool, but outside of class you will be the strong, confident person that you need to be to get shit done. Um, alright, so that's the conduct. That's kind of how I'm expecting you to behave in this class, and we can talk about this more when we meet in the coming days and weeks um, but I think most of it is straightforward. Again, should be fairly boilerplate. Um, as for attendance, we're done. Like, I hate attendance policies to start with, and I've had them sort of enforced upon me since I've been a professor, and fine, whatever. Um, but no, not anymore. Like, we do not have an attendance policy in this class. If you are sick, stay home, please. For our safety, for your safety, for everybody involved. Stay the heck home. Do not endanger our lives. Do not endanger your own lives. Like, we—I know that the campus is already planning to close uh, after uh, November 30th this year. We're just going to do everything online at that point. I imagine that the minute we have a big time COVID outbreak, the whole campus is going to shut down and we're going to be online. Like, fuck it. I don't care. Um, I am not going to be taking attendance and grading you on it this semester. Um, If you do not want to show up to any classes, don't show up to any classes. All the materials are going to be online. Um, If you can't make it for like four weeks because of whatever you're dealing with, fine. Just keep up with the material. Um, You are responsible to keep up with the work. That is what I am going to be grading you on. Um, The closest we're going to get to grading on attendance is participation. Um, and that just means being engaged with the class like I said about late assignments m- I need to know that you are plug plugged in and it is really easy to get unplugged in these quasi online formats um, most of what you are doing most like 90 percent of your engagement with this class will be reading and stuff that I and listening to lectures and stuff that I'm not going to be looking over your shoulder to see. Um, For the rest of it, the stuff that you, the time that you spend in class, the time that you engage with each other's online um, is going to be pretty minimal, but I want to make sure that it's happening. Um, So you will get a participation grade. We will talk about that momentarily. Um, And we'll talk about how that breaks down, but just like, don't, feel obligated to come to class especially if you're not up for it for whatever reason mental emotional physical whatever um stay home just stay home give yourself the benefit of the doubt don't i'm not going to think any less of you um so just protect yourself please like it's too crazy a world to not do that at this point um you will not get graded on your attendance in this class um, and don't feel like you need to do it as a result Um, As for some other stuff, first off, uh, I like to hold office hours at the library and I will do so as much as I possibly can. Um, However, the library is currently very closed and very limited, so that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, So, most of my office hours will happen online. Um, As we will talk about momentarily and as I've already sort of announced online, we have a Discord server that I have made for this class. Um, In it, you will find a special channel called the Professor's Office. I will hold office hours in there by appointment and before and after the class begins. Um, So... Please, please, if you want to talk to me, by all means, schedule an appointment. We can meet online. We can have our office hours. Like, don't feel too shy if you want to have a conversation about, you know, your grade or how how the material is going or something you don't understand. Like, I will absolutely sit down and talk to you. Just let me know you want to. Um, As for disabilities and special accommodations, I realize there's, like, so much so much um, that is complicated and difficult right now. If you have a special accommodation, if you have note-taking services, or if you need extra time on quizzes, just let me know. It's easy enough for me to set up on Canvas. Um, I just need to know about it beforehand. So contact me as soon as humanly possible and we can get you set up with whatever you need. Um, likewise, if you have trouble with technology, if you don't have a computer or you don't have the internet at home, um, talk to me about it. We'll figure something out. Like, I don't even know what that would look like at this point, but we'll figure something out. We'll make sure that you can be accommodated in this way. Um, but again, talk to me about it as soon as you can, because otherwise, like, it's going to get super complicated and super hectic once the actual class starts. Um... Now there's another note about academic integrity. Let me remind you, plagiarism will not be tolerated. Please see my earlier comments about plagiarism for details. Um, but now is there a special edition for this particular situation. How to be a student in this class. And I realize, like, oh my gosh. I only have to teach this one at Montclair this semester. There are Classes are scarce for professors um, as it happens. So I only have to deal with the one format. I'm sure you're dealing with a whole wide variety of them. Uh, But let's just sort of set the record straight. Uh, We are a Hawk Mix format or module or whatever they're calling it. Um, Which means we're going to try and be as flexible as possible in this class. Uh, We will meet once a week with each group of students, um, but you will be sorted into A and B sections, Monday and Thursday sections. Um, The way I'm thinking about it at this moment in time is there is a Monday group, there is a Thursday group, and there is a group that does not attend class in person at all. I've already got a list set up even at this early stage. Um, P.S. It's august 17th in my world right now but long before the classes started you were probably listening to this at least a week and a half after i've recorded it um and i already have the list i already have a list of students who are meeting on monday students who are meeting on thursday it is incomplete at this point it will be complete by the time that you're listening to this in all likelihood um and i will tell you uh which section you are in whether you are in the monday section the thursday section or the online only section um Obviously, if you are meeting on Monday, you should meet me on Monday. If you are meeting on Thursday, you should meet me on Thursday. There will be exceptional cases. We're running up on one real early. I think it's uh, September third. Is it? Hold on, let me check. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of our on our first week because Labor Day is on the seventh, which is a Monday. Um, September third, we will have our usual Monday section. Um, but September tenth will also. Qualify as a Monday, because otherwise, like the Thursday class gets two sections, and uh, it's just a mess. Um, Anyway, we'll sort that out when it's when necessary. But generally speaking, if you are in the Monday cohort, you meet on Mondays. If you are in the Thursday cohort, you meet on Thursdays. Easy peasy. Um, No need to overcomplicate that. Um, If you do need to change for any reason, if you can't make it to class for whatever reason, and you want to switch let me know. Um, I can't guarantee that it'll happen because the the reason why we're splitting into two groups is because the classrooms are not big enough to support us and be COVID-safe. Um, But if there is an opening, then I will absolutely offer it to you on a first-come, 1st serve basis. Likewise, if you want to switch permanently to the other cohort, let me know. Um, It'll only be possible if somebody from that cohort is willing to switch as well, but who knows, like, we can try and work it out. Um, Generally speaking, it's not going to happen very often, so please do not get in the habit of switching on a regular basis, like uh, my poor brain. Um, But anyhow, that's the plan. Each of us, like each student in the class will meet with me in person, in class, once a week, either in Dixon or in business, um, as according to the schedule, um, and we will sort it out from there. Now, again, attendance is not going to be enforced, just tracked. I'm going to see who is attending. I'm going to make sure that you are, in fact, doing the work online because I have certain obligations to the department and the state as far as that's concerned, but it will not affect your grade if you are not coming to class. Basically, what this comes down to is make sure that I have heard from you in the first two weeks of class. Um, If I have not seen, like, a grade or... You're showing up in class in the first two weeks. I'm going to have to mark you as like absent and that can cause major problems for financial aid or even like your legal presence in this country in some cases. It's messy. Um, so just make sure that, you know, I am, I know where you're at as far as this is concerned. Um, now, as far as the actual like day-to-day conduct in this class, like how what should you do on any given day, um, the way that I am looking at this is from a sort of quasi-weekly schedule, since we are only meeting in class once a week. Um, so, in any given week, you should first read any of the stuff that we have assigned for that week. Read the myths. Um, read whatever like supplementary materials I've provided, look at the PowerPoints if you can, um, watch any videos that are assigned for that week. Um, that's your first responsibility. Um, get all of that done. Then listen to the lectures. I will be recording these lectures. There will be two per week, most weeks. There will be exceptions. We'll talk about those when they come up. Um, but after you've done all of the reading, listen to the lectures. Um, we will talk through some of the some of the readings. We will go over many of the works in the lectures. Do not rely on the lectures alone, because that will not give you sufficient information. I am expecting you to actually do all the reading as well. Um, after you listen to the lectures, come to class, uh, be it Monday or Thursday. And then, after the class, complete the quizzes. Um, typically, each week there will be two assignments. There will be a two quizzes, or a quiz and a reading response, or there will be a major assignment like the comparison paper, or the term paper, or the midterm. Um, make sure that you do those by Friday at 11.59 uh, of that week, or it will be counted as late, and in the case of quizzes, you can't make them up. Um, but that's basically what you should be thinking and by all means like feel free to mess around with your schedule according to your needs or according to your particular uh like schedule with your other classes or when you're coming to class uh in the week however it works for you sort it out but again you should be you should plan to read all the material then listen to the lecture and come to class with all of that in mind Um, for Monday students that might be a little tricksy because there's a lot of reading and a lot of, like, front-loading as far as that's concerned. Um, I would honestly recommend that you just start getting in the habit of reading early. It is super easy to complete this class with Monday as the last day of the week instead of the first day of the week. Um, so yeah, just, you know, get in the habit of doing, of coming to class on Monday to sort of, like... Consolidate everything that you've already done. Take the quizzes on Monday or Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, start it on the reading. Um, it's really easy, but you know you may have to get creative based on your own schedule. And you know I can help you with that as much as I can, but I really can't help if I don't know what else is going on in your life. So figure it out. Um, also, keep in mind the. <laughs> We are living in crazy times, everything is subject to change. Um, These are the basic ground rules, this is how I'm hoping to conduct this class, who knows what it'll look like in practice. Um, So keep an eye out on the announcements page on Canvas, watch your emails, things may and probably will change. Um, So be ready for that when it does. On weeks where we can't come to class, my plan is to have synchronous Discord conversations at our usual Monday and Thursday times, Um, and that includes everything after November 30th when the campus gets closed for reals. But if in the meantime, like, we have a week where there's a particularly nasty outbreak and the governor decides that the colleges are all going to shut down for a while, or if Montclair specifically decides to do that, we will meet on Discord. Um, So if you haven't already, get me your Discord screen name as soon as you possibly can. Um, I will need it in order to contact you and to keep you up to date um, and make sure that you're in the server at the right time. Um, But that's what you should plan on. Every week, reading... Do your listen to the lectures, come to class in whatever form it happens to be in, and then do the assignments. Um, That's the habit that you should get into, and do get into it because it's so easy under weird circumstances and when you're doing half of this online to get behind or to disconnect or to get lost. Um, And once that happens, there's only so much I can do for you because. Like, if you're not contacting with me, I can't very well, you know, reach out and shake you by the lapels in class if you're not keeping up. Um, so don't, don't let it get overwhelming. Like, stay on top of it as much as you possibly can. Um, and when in doubt, ignore what you've missed. Like I hate to say it because that's a crappy thing to say and especially from the perspective of a professor who actually wants you to learn the material, but if you miss two weeks, if you are like down with COVID or whatever and you just cannot keep up with the assignments for two whole weeks, I would encourage you to go back and get that reading done, listen to those lectures and so on and so forth. But if you legit cannot keep up, don't try. Like just push forward, Um, read the next assignments, and prioritize that before you prioritize going back and fixing the things that you've missed. Um, There will be time to get the response papers you missed or the uh, assignments you missed finished, um, but it's actually pretty easy in this class to fix, to sort of course correct according to what is going forward. There's not a whole lot of building on what has come before. There's a lot more analyzing and examining the stuff coming ahead. Um, Now, with that in mind, these are the assignments you're going to need to keep track of. And, you know, obviously there are two whole pages set aside for just like descriptions of the assignments. Um, And you can see the rubric on the syllabus as well to see like how they're weighted. Um, The first things to keep in mind are the reading quizzes. Um, There are virtually always two reading quizzes due at the end of each week. Um, And these are short, little assignments. They are 10 questions, multiple choice. Um, They are timed. I wanna say that they're 10 minutes a piece. They're basically just making sure that you did the reading, that you know what you're talking about. Um, Typically, under normal circumstances, I assign them to be due before the class starts as a way of keeping you honest and making sure that you're doing the readings. Under the circumstances, I have decided to suspend that, and they will always be due on the Friday after the class where the reading is due. so get the reading done, listen to my lectures, attend the class, then do the reading quizzes. Um, you only have 10 minutes, so you do not plan to like spend a lot of that time Google searching. Like you should know the material pretty cold at that point. Um, but also don't stress about it if you miss one. Um, I will be dropping the lowest four grades from the reading quizzes at the end of the semester. Additionally, every extra credit assignment will drop another grade. So if you get a couple bad ones, if you have a bad week, if you come down with the virus and you miss a week or two, no big deal. Just pick yourself up and worry about the next ones. Likewise, if you have computer trouble and you miss the date, Too bad, I'm not going to give you a chance to make it up. There is no structure for making up reading quizzes in my wormy little brain. Um, Instead, those will just be one of the drops. You have a little bit less wiggle room going forward. Um, Every time somebody comes to me and says, can I make up a reading quiz? What can I do about the reading quizzes? My answer is always do better on the next ones and do a couple extra credit assignments because that's the best way to fix it. Um, So don't stress out about it if they turn out to be bad. Some of them are really mean. Um, in mythology, less so than in in my other classes, like my philosophy quizzes are famously cruel. Um, but these ones are actually very manageable after the first one, which keep that in mind. The Tolkien one is bad the Tolkien one is one of the hardest quizzes this semester the Tolkien reading is one of the hardest readings this semester it's probably poor design on my part that I front load that but it is important and it is something that I want to talk about going into the class rather than coming out of it Um, so if that first quiz sucks don't panic Uh, it probably will be one of the ones that gets dropped and subsequent quizzes will be easier Um, so don't stress about it In general, if your quiz grade is abominable, you can still totally pass this class. It's very doable. Um, The second thing to keep in mind are the response papers. The response papers are worth twice as much as the reading quizzes. So again, already I should be emphasizing, the quizzes are not that important. Please do not panic about them. The response papers are open-ended writing assignments. There are four of them spaced out throughout the semester. Each of them goes along with one of the readings. um, And they are like totally open-ended. You are encouraged to write whatever springs to mind about in these response papers. They are usually prompted with something as ambiguous as respond to X or compare the readings that you read for this class. Um, that's it. Like I'm literally looking for your gut reaction and just some surface level analysis. That's all. Um, but the reason why I do the response papers and insist upon them is because they are very much a trial run for the bigger writing assignments that are coming down the pike. I realize that like every professor is different about what they expect from their writing assignments and I have totally had professors where it's like the only the only assignment the whole class is this big end of semester paper and you know you work your butt off on that paper and you produce this finely crafted work of art and you like turn it into your professor and you're like be careful with it because it is like, my gift to humanity. And your professor looks at it, gives it a C-, and hands it back to you, and you're like, why? Why would you do that? And he responds, because you use too many commas Um, or something equally stupid. I don't want that to happen, so your response papers are an opportunity for you to sort of, like, figure out what I want from a writing assignment before it becomes really serious. Um, and as a result, if you just want to, you know, get them done, turn them in, call it a day, just turn in a digital copy. I will slap a grade on it and you won't have to worry about it. Um, in general, those grades tend to be pretty high. Like I intentionally inflate the response paper grades. We'll talk about that once the first ones come due. Um, but if you do want feedback, if you want me to tear it apart, turn in a hard copy in addition to, um, the digital copy. I will take the appropriate precautions and make sure that it is like not infecting me with COVID. Um, I recommend you do the same when I turn them back into you afterwards. Um, but the intention is that you will get the opportunity to see in great detail everything that I am looking for in the paper. Like I will take a red pen and I will mark the crap out of those hard copies. Um, and it is not personal. It is not an attack on you. It is an attempt to help. Um, And I have had students who find it extremely valuable as far as figuring out what it is that I'm looking for and what it is that I'm expecting of you. Um, So please, turn in those hard copies if you want to become a better writer this semester, and I will totally help you do that. As for other assignments, we have two larger written assignments. We have the comparison paper, which is substantial. It's 750 words. That boils down to, I think, two to three pages, uh, double-spaced most of the time. Um, You can find the prompt in the syllabus. It is on basically it is a comparison and contrast paper of two of the major myths that we've dealt with at that point, which includes the Iliad, a bunch of the heroic myths, creation myths, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Don't panic about it now. We will talk about it in greater detail later, and by the time that the actual assignment is due, you will have done this plenty of times. So again, don't stress. The term paper is the big one. Uh, It is the biggest grade in the class. It is worth 30% of your final grade. Um, It is 1,500 words, which plops it at about like five to seven pages double-spaced, and it is the closest thing to a serious formal writing assignment we have in here. I will expect a bibliography or works cited page, I will expect you to use outside sources, Um, it is a research paper, and it is on the Iliad and the Odyssey. You can see from the prompt that the prompt itself is very simple. What ancient Greek cultural values are prescribed and reinforced by Homer's epics? But in execution, it's considerably more complicated. I'm going to be asking you to go through the Iliad and the Odyssey and look for what Homer has to say on whatever value it is that you're going to examine. That value could be the role of women in Greek culture, so you're going to look at all of the women in Homer. It could be on how the Greeks think about war, in which case, look at how Homer treats war, especially in the Iliad. It could be on how the Greeks conduct their religious observations. In which case, look for all of the religious ceremonies that are conducted in Homer and uh, in the Iliad, the Odyssey. Um, what I'm going to want you to do is sort of extract that idea from Homer, look at how he talks about it, and then come up with what he thinks about it and what he's trying to tell us to think about it. Um, That's the goal with this assignment, and that's kind of the goal of this whole class, so that's why it's sort of our culminating work. Um, The term paper won't be due until, I think, the last week of class. It is very much working as both uh, research paper and final exam, because we do not have a final exam in here anymore. I have omitted it because I don't even want to deal with it this semester. Um... And because I abolished it last semester and it seemed to work pretty well. Um, So this is it. This is going to be a big one. Um, Don't worry about it now. We will talk about it in much greater detail as we get closer to the deadline. Um, But keep it in the back of your mind as we are reading these myths because you will want to sort of pick out what you want to talk about and start planning for it as early as you can. The participation grade is also a little bit of the grade. It is not, it is worth about as much as the reading quizzes, um, but it is very informal. Like, this is probably as subjective as my grading is going to get. Typically, at the end of the semester, I have an attendance and participation grade, and I literally just put in a number from one to ten, and that is literally the number of points you get for that ten percent of your final grade. Um, and what I'm looking for is not, you know, over-the-top involvement in everything that we do. Um, the, typically, the way to get a perfect score in the participation section of my grading is to contribute every time you show up to class. Um, raise your hand with one substantive thing to say, one substantive question or one substantive comment, something that shows that you were engaged and that you were participating, something that shows that you are not just like blowing this assignment or all of our assignments off. Um, If you can do that, you'll get a perfect 10 and we'll call it a day. But even if you are a wallflower and do not want to raise your hand in class, you can still sweep a nine or a 10 as long as I know you're plugged in. Um, That means coming and talking to me at the end of class. That means sending me emails about, you know, assignments. That means asking questions via Discord or in the discussion boards online because I will keep uh, question discussion open at all times. just make sure that, you know, I know your name, I know who you are, I know what's going on, I know why things are the way they are, um, and you will still get a solid grade on the participation metric. The low grades, like failing the participation score, is basically for people who I don't know who they are aside from them showing up to class if they do that. Um, Like, if I have no idea what's going on, if I have never exchanged words with one of my students, they will fail my participation section. So make sure that that does not happen to you. Um, Now we do have a midterm in this class. There is no final, so do not wait for that, but we will conduct the midterm as usual. Um, My intention is to do it in class as like a paper assignment. I will change that as necessary if, you know, we are locked down for that particular week, or if it's deemed that that's not okay and we need to do it online, um, I am prepared to move it online as necessary. Um, it will be a combination of objective questions. There will be some multiple choice, some fill-in-the-blanks. Um, usually there is. Um, usually, there are some like short answers and maybe even a short essay. Um, it's fairly straightforward stuff. We will talk about it more as we get closer to it. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that The midterm is broken into two halves. The objective half is all of that stuff that I just talked about, but it also has an essay component which will be conducted entirely online. Um, It's basically just a glorified reading response with a fancier prompt. Um, But like I said, we'll talk about that more when we get closer to it. Um, Other than that, you can look at the schedule. Um, All of our readings are on the schedule on a day-by-day basis, Um, The trick here is that I am still sort of working the readings as though it is two separate assignments um, for the two separate classes in a given week. Um, You are welcome to ignore that layout if you want. Um, You will also find that the schedule of assignments on the syllabus basically matches assignment by assignment the modules page on Canvas which is where I want you to be hanging out for most of our semester. Um, all of the assignments will be found on the modules page, all of the reading assignments, all of the like written assignments, all of the quizzes. You can link to every last one of them from the modules page, and they will be oriented there in order of the assignment week by week. So all you have to do is go to that particular week and fulfill all of the obligations of that week. Um, and you can do so at your discretion. You can absolutely listen to the lectures on your time, you can absolutely complete the quizzes on your time, so long as they're done by the 11.59 on Friday night. You are welcome to do the readings on your time, whatever you want. The only things that you are responsible for deadline-wise are making it to class once a week um, on your appointed day and completing the reading quizzes before the deadline on Friday night. Um, Everything else is up to you, Um, but you can find the organization for it all on Canvas, all on this schedule. Um, So feel free to play with the dates. Feel free to see them as more guidelines than hard hard deadlines. Uh, My plan, my expectation, is that we will be talking about the entire week's assignments uh, when we meet for class that week. Um, So, for example, you are probably listening to this around the 27th of August. Um, The following week will be, or the following two weeks will be devoted to our Introduction to Myth. Our first reading assignments will be on, in theory, um, September 3rd and September 10th. Um, The week after that when we start out on the creation myths, that's when the class will start to actually resemble what it will look like for the rest of the semester. And you'll notice on the 14th there is one assignment, on the 17th there is another assignment. The 14th is our Monday, the 17th is our Thursday. Um, so on the, for the 14th it says, watch the video from Extra Mythology and read the following the Lopez Ruiz textbook. That includes a video, a reading from Hesiod, a reading from Homer, and a quiz. On the 17th, it says, read the following Homeric Hymns, the Hymn to Apollo, the Hymn to Dionysus, the Hymn to Demeter, and then there's a quiz. Um, What I intend is that on the 14th, when we meet for class on Monday in Dixon Hall with my Monday students, we will talk about both of those assignments, the Homeric Hymns and the Hesiod and Homer reading from the 14th. Likewise, when we meet that Thursday on the 17th, we will talk about both of those assignments again. Um, It'll be a repeat for me, it'll be brand new for you, because all of you will not have have met me yet that week. So on Monday and on Thursday, we'll talk about the same assignments, the 14th and the 17th, and so on and so forth. So get all of the reading done for the week before you make it to class, if at all possible. Um, if you want you I have no way of checking so you're welcome to come to class listen to me lecture about it and then do the readings though I do not recommend it because that means that you'll be lost in class and won't be able to contribute all that much. Um, it would be better for everyone involved if you can just be prepared before you get to class that day. Um, but if that's not your aim if you're coasting by with a C on this one be my guest do what you need to do. Um, if you have any questions feel free to email me. I will be active online. You can catch me on Discord if you want uh, to make office hour appointments with me. Um, But going forward, that's what you can expect. Our first actual due date will be September 11th of all dates. Um, That will be the first quiz on Tolkien, Lewis, and Plato. Um, So until then, you have time. Uh, We won't have any textbook readings until the week after that. So you've got extra time to get the book if necessary Um, but like I said in the meantime feel don't be a stranger get in touch with me like send me an email just say hello Um, reach out and make sure that I know who you are Um, I am absolutely more concerned than anything else that my students are going to drop off the face of the earth this semester and I don't want that to happen for your sake and for mine Um, so keep me posted keep asking questions keep contacting me Um, we'll figure this out like I know it looks like a giant nightmare and I just spent literally an hour and a half talking about all the ways that this is going to be super duper complicated yeah it's not gonna likely get any easier if anything it'll just get worse so don't be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid to reach out and talk to me Um, and don't panic like we'll make this work Let me reassure you, if you are uh, frightened or scared or concerned or, like, just thinking about bailing altogether, you know, some of those decisions are decisions that you have to make and I can't help, but insofar as it is within my power to do so, I am going to help you through this class and I am going to make sure that you pass and do as well as you possibly can. I will not let you down. Um, You can let yourself down if you just, like, check out. That's, again, not something I can help you with. Um, and that's basically cutting me off from helping you. But insofar as I am able, I will do what needs to be done to make sure that you get all the knowledge and preparation you need to complete the assignments and to get through this class intact with a decent grade. Um, As much as, you know, I've stressed all of the obligations here, the one thing I haven't stressed and which I usually do is that I, at the end of the day, am willing to accommodate. Um, I will absolutely grade your papers generously. I will absolutely help you to, you know, work on your assignments. I will sit down and work on drafts with you. Um, Whatever you need, let me know, and I will make that happen. Um, And so far as (laughs) Insofar as it is in my power to do so, um, we'll we'll accomplish this. We'll get it done. Um, so don't panic. Like these are dark, scary times, but I hope that I will be one of the one of the things that makes it a little bit less dark and a little bit less scary. Um, we'll figure this out. So be well, stay healthy, and stay tuned because there's a lot more to come, and hopefully. Will enjoy it at the end of all this if it's at all even possible. <laughs> so, yep, signing off now. Talk to you soon.